0: And welcome to Built on Air, a podcast and video series about all things Airtable. I'm your host Zoe Vanderplu, and I'd like to thank our sponsor, OpenSide. Visit openside.com for products and services that will take your Airtable to the next level. Use promo code Built on Air, one word, all caps, for a one-time twenty dollars credit off of any purchase. Today I'm chatting with Sam Coster, co-founder of Butterscotch Shenanigans, an independent video game studio based in St. Louis, Missouri. Butterscotch is probably best known for their 2016 release, Crashlands, and they're releasing their newest game, Levelhead, in April 2019. Levelhead is a level-building platformer where players become designers and can share what they've built with the world. Butterscotch's origin story is unique. It was created by three brothers, Sam, Seth, and Adam, who all had a wealth of unrelated formal education, psychology, financial planning, and a PhD in molecular biology, respectively, but minimal industry experience. Sam talks about their evolution as a studio, how they're learning to run a better business, and how their creative process flows. They originally started using Airtable to keep track of their PR contacts, but it has become so ubiquitous in the office now it's almost a running joke. Sam demos an Airtable base for us that he built to develop the structure and flow of their newest game, Levelhead, down to the music tracks chosen for each level. And as a quick bonus, since I love Airtable bases that solve boring personal problems, Sam shows us a base punnily called The Warehouse. Where he used his phone to easily catalog all the random items in his basement so he'd never have to double buy superglue ever again. Check out the show notes for More Things Levelhead, available April 2019 on Steam, and head over to builtonair.com for More Things Airtable. Hey Sam, how's it going? Good. Welcome to Built On Air. We're so happy to have you on the show today. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Sure. So my name is Sam. I am a co-founder of Butterscotch Shenanigans, and we're a game studio. We're actually located out in the Midwest in St. Louis. And a lot of what I do for the studio is a combination of uh, art, design, and marketing. So I wear a lot of hats. We're a really small team. So everybody on the team kind of has a bunch of different roles. And... Most of my day to day either involves you know making pictures, making monsters, and stuff like that for the games, or uh, designing levels and designing content for the games themselves. So I have a high need for a lot of organizational structure on top of all three of those activities. As you
0: right? Might. Yeah, I imagine the uh, task switching can get pretty overwhelming when you're, you know, having to have all of those different buckets in your head basically at all times. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how butterscotch started um did you and your your co-founder you know know each other previously or who hatched this yeah. crazy plan yeah
1: you could say that so it's actually a studio led by three brothers so uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've known each other for some time um and the best part about it was none of us actually planned to get into games uh we were actually i think when we were kids our parents really severely reduced our, our screen time. You know, we had probably 30 minutes a day that we were allowed to use. And uh, we had an egg timer. So you'd set an egg timer and then you'd start playing StarCraft or something like that. And uh, I mean, a lot of blood was spilled because someone would come up and like tweak it, you know, downward a little bit. <laughs> it was just, a, it was a horrible backfiring situation, I think, for our parents, because now this is a living. But all three of the, the co-founding brothers, um, we got into this all very sideways. So I have a degree in psychology. Um, one of the brothers, Adam, who does all of our web and tech uh, tooling and stuff like that. He has actually a PhD in molecular biology. Oh. And uh, the other brother was in the middle of an MBA in law school thing and then dropped out to come make video games. So, and he's like a certified financial analyst as well. So, we have this really weird orientation toward games where it's just a very interesting thing for us to do, but not something that, that all of us plan to do. And so, right. as a result, like we're very keen on using. Uh, like I'm focusing on our process, I think, because there's a little lack of confidence maybe on some of the, the fact that we don't have any training regarding any of the things that we actually do for sort of the core of the business.
0: Right, so you're like, here's my street cred, look at this really nice business plan we've drawn up. Exactly. Even though we're all like previously academics. Um, Yeah, exactly, right. I love that. That's such an interesting perspective too, I think because it, um, I mean, you always hear about how, you know, Whenever some kid's like, I want to be a video game designer, everyone's like, good luck. That's a funny joke. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool that you guys have, you know, kind of grounded things in reality and and made things work. Yeah, I mean, it
1: started kind of similar to that, though, which is like, uh, so my brother Seth and I did what's called a game jam, which is a 48 hour game making event uh, about eight years ago. And we did it together. And so I just happened to do the art for it. He happened to do programming for it. And we built this just hideous, uh, but hilarious game in just two days. Right. Uh, We demoed it to a crowd and it was the first time we worked together and demoed it to a crowd here in St. Louis. And everyone was just sort of laughing their butts off and had like such a good time watching it. And we just had this moment where we were like, oh, maybe maybe this is what we should be doing, you know? No idea. Again, like completely ignorant of how intense and how absurdly difficult this industry is. But I think that combination of, you know, ignorance and arrogance is super handy for getting started. Right.
0: Yeah. You need to strike the the right balance of the the two. Um, Okay. So that was eight years ago. You guys made this silly, you know, game for game jam and people loved it. You guys loved it. So then how did... How did you get the third brother on board? How did Butterscotch become what it what it is now?
1: Yeah, so we actually, uh, my brother Seth and I, they're the one who did the game jam together. Um, we ended up after that jam, we got hired in the parking lot by like one of the other game studios in town. Nice. Like we want these two randos coming. Um, so they sort of gave us our, our first shot and we worked there for about six or seven months and then sort of had, I think, you know, gotten to the point where Again, we were building up our skills enough and thought we knew what we were doing enough that we were like, we're going to go break out, we can do this on our own. And so for the next week, so we quit and we just had some money in the bank and completely bootstrapped the thing. And then we published two games in six months. Uh, the first one failed super hard and the second one did well enough that I could sort of stay mildly alive on it. Uh, and that's wife started supporting him at that point directly. Uh, and we sort of doubled down and said, okay, let's make something bigger, you know. Taking three months to make something, it's always gonna be a small project, not gonna make mm-hmm. a big splash. So let's do something bigger. And that big game became Crashlands. And about halfway through development on that one, uh our th- our third the the oldest brother, actually Adam, who's doing the PhD at the time, uh, he did his dissertation defense. We flew down to Texas and gave him his business cards as his graduation gift uh, <laughs> and sort of stole him away from academia. And then that was sort of the forming of all three of us finally together. And uh, Crashlands launched in 2016 and did very, very well, and so we we won a few we got Game of the Year awards and stuff like that on mobile with the game, and just like that, that sort of flagship product ended up becoming the foundation for how the studio operates. And since then, we've been building other games and, and mainly sort of trying to figure out how to run a business in a you know in a legitimate capacity. I
0: think. Right. Yeah. Um, which is, I can imagine it's it's hard enough when you're also not brothers who you know. Yes. Are the ones who would mess with each other's egg timers years uh-huh.
1: ago. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> Um, Oh my gosh. I love that story. That's so great. Anyway, um, I'm an only child. So just like the idea of having a sibling to collaborate with just seems awesome, let alone two of them. Um, Yeah. And uh, from what I've seen of other siblings, also having siblings where you can actually form a team and work together instead of just annoying each other um, is, is a really special thing to have, I think. Yeah,
1: I think when it works, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And when it doesn't work, it's, you know, it's family stuff. So then...
0: Right. <laughs> You're like, we have to get over this. We have no choice. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so tell us, you do have a new release coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: I would love to. Yeah. So our newest game is called Levelhead. And it's a platformer maker. So essentially what that means is it's a, it's a platformer where you can actually build levels and then share them with your friends and also share them just worldwide. Um, we've made the whole game about this delivery robot named GR18, who you are essentially training up by building these courses and taking them through some of these obstacle courses. And you have to deliver packages sort of across the galaxy is, is essentially what the training is. And so the whole thing is sort of grounded in this comical corporate atmosphere, almost like an office space sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lots of bureaucracy, lots of bosses and stuff like that. And and yeah, players are... The really exciting thing for us about it is, you know, we like I said, we kind of stumbled into making games. And uh, we find that building a game like this, where players actually become the designers, is such a fun thing for us to sort of turn around and be able to do because, you know, a lot of people, once they dip their toes in... Uh, they just get really excited about it because it's so fun to make stuff and then see other people experience it and and play it and just watch the reactions that they have. Um, And so we're really hoping to build a really robust community. And it'll be available on Steam sometime in April, I guess. Uh, We're doing sort of a a secret launch of the thing. So it'll be coming out very soon.
0: Cool. So we will keep an eye uh, eye out on Steam for that um, secret launch date. Um and, and also I, you know, um, of course, to tie Airtable into everything, uh-huh. um, you know, we were talking about how, you know, using Airtable was actually sort of a key component in building and kind of mapping out this game. So I guess um tell us a little bit about how you found Airtable and how you started using it. And and then also um in a little bit you'll show us a, a demo of your level headbase.
1: Yeah. So um we found Airtable, I think, about a year, year and a half ago or so. And uh, it was when we were just, every so often, we'll do sort of like a tool sweep where we will take a step back and just sort of uh, essentially try to get a better pulse on what the up-and-coming products seem to be and what which ones seem to be give, being used by a bunch of our uh, dev friends and stuff like mm-hmm.
0: that.
1: Uh, and I think we actually found it just sort of through one of these lists of, oh, here's all the stuff that I use so that someone else had posted. And we hop into it and immediately it was obvious we were like, oh. This is a spreadsheet that's actually a database that has all the stuff in it, you know. And uh, Adam, our web guy, was like, I don't even know how they built this. And so we started, <laughs> you know, got very excited about it. And we dive in. Uh, and the first thing we used it for actually was a, sort of a contact management system.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is
1: sort of most people's probably easy entry if you're in business. You need a way to somehow organize all these contacts without having to do a lot of the stuff that spreadsheets make you do. And we have a, a thing called Dossi, which I have, I do have a, a DOSI universe. Uh, Sort of template thing available for people, and that one was very—it was very helpful because it essentially allowed us to put our, you know, five years at the time, five or six years of business contacts into one place, and then we had a few of these other metrics that were tying back and forth between different parts of the database where we could track articles that were written by certain journalists, so we knew who, you know, with the future launch to reach out to because they'd already covered us, that sort of thing. Um, we were running our own PR at the time, so since then we've used it for all sorts of stuff inside the studio, and the the major point. Uh, for a- sorry, Airtable for us is when it comes to design, especially when it comes to the actual content design. So what I mean by that is uh, in Levelhead, for example, yes, we have to choose how the player moves to the world, how they jump, how all these different enemies work. That's sort of like high-level design. When it comes to the level design of the game, you have to figure out how to arrange us a, a basically a learning order of all the different concepts that the game has, how to... Uh, deploy those in a way that that the pacing feels really good and provides a variety of experience for players, Uh, and then also, you know, really figure out a way to effectively, thoughtfully choose between certain aspects of the game being included or not. So, for example, Levelhead has a bunch of different music tracks, and I could just sort of willy-nilly assign them to stuff, but it's highly likely that I'll accidentally, you know, put too many in one spot that are the same, or or what's something like that. And so having some, uh, you know, essentially a mental map, uh, in this case built in Airtable, Helped to get my sort of feet under me and then also make it so that when I came back, given that I wear so many hats, you know, I might be doing something. I might be building a trailer for a couple days or, uh, you know, doing some podcasts or something like that. And then come back and then be like, okay, I need to hop back into this rapidly and building that mental model back up of, you know, where's the campaign at? How many, which level am I on? Like, how, how was I going to think about this? Uh, You need some robust way to organize information. So right. yeah, I used Airtable for mainly for the campaign structure in Levelhead.
0: Right. Especially since it's you can use the filtering, right, to do that brain dump and be like, oh, hey, here are all of the songs that I think might be good. And then it's not like a spreadsheet where you're like, oh, I have to delete these ones that I'm not going to use. You can always sort of go back and, and pull from your little bank of possibilities, I exactly. guess. Yeah. Um, so you're go ahead and share your screen. I think yeah, it's sure. a great time now to actually see what that looks like. And then I think you'll maybe talk a little bit about the base and then also kind of show us how that translates into the, the game in reality.
1: Uh, Again, it's a simple idea, but because of mainly it's again, because of what you said about the uh, being able to bucket certain content and then just pull that repeatedly up. Um, You can see what's happening here. So these are all the levels on just sort of going down the list here and they're, they're laid out in basically what is the linear order. There is some branching in the campaign, but it's, it's not as important as uh, as the linear sort of progression. So there's 65 levels in here currently, and uh, essentially what I needed to do was each of these levels is actually introducing a new piece of content, right? Cool. And so I have to make sure that I know. So this column is what am I teaching in this level, right? Uh, what am I reinforcing for the player? And basically, play, plotting the plotting the levels out like this allowed me to both get the structure for even just knowing how to design it, like designing without constraints is absolutely brutal. It's and
0: terrible. Yeah, you need the the box so you nice. can decide if you want to move out of it or not. <laughs> exactly.
1: And so the first thing I did was I made these first uh, these first eight levels, and I just said, okay, what's like the first thing a player needs to learn how to do? They need to know how to grab stuff, get the package, and then get to the end, and like exactly what those mechanics look like. Okay, so you just kind of keep on building from that. So this was I was able to essentially just write out, you know, almost like pseudo code, and then I could pop back in and then actually build the levels based on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to uh, the rest of the of the base here, you can see that I also checked for pacing. So over here we have type. So essentially if the level lends itself more toward like puzzling behaviors or platforming or uh, you know like more of a rush or combat, then I can essentially try to try to tie some of these high-level themes to each level to make sure that as you go through, you know, 65 levels, that there's a good mix of this different type of content. You'll see there's certain levels that were inserted in here. Uh, these ones that are empty are ones that I put in after putting all this uh, thematic information and realizing oh i had this i have a gap here where i have three rush levels in a row i need something that's more chill out for example
0: right um,
1: and then when you come over here the, here's the music thing i was talking about so we have a bunch of these really fun uh, music tracks that our our team called fat bar did for us and the problem like these are the names of all the different tracks but again like you want you want to introduce players to music in a in a way that makes sense and that has some some rhyme to it, some rhyme and reason to it. And so this way, I didn't necessarily double up on too many songs too much because players die a lot in this game. It's a very challenging platformer. So you don't want them to hear just one song for you know 40 minutes straight because you accidentally put it in four levels uh, back to back to
0: back. Right.
1: So there's that. And then the, the uh, trickier part comes down to uh, the unlocks. So the way level head works, like I mentioned, that players get to edit and build their own levels, right? So the issue is that they, we have to unlock that content for them slowly. Right. So you can't, you don't just get to hop into the editor with every single one of the like hundred something tools available to you. Right. So playing through the campaign actually unlocks that content. So essentially what I did here was, um, I pa- paired this with the badges over here and these badges are essentially those content unlocks. And then each of these is, uh, an item from the game, right? So we have uh, GR 18, the goal, uh, backdrop environment elements, that sort of thing. And, uh, then I could actually track plan and track these things. And then, uh, also tie you know which levels are attached to them from the side over here cool you see wh- how many levels lead up to certain pieces now the interesting thing so i built this whole thing in Airtable, table um, applied it in game and then we played through it and it was fantastic for sort of getting that like mental structure figured out and then now that i've sort of done this large amount of this sort of foundational work uh, we built additional tooling inside of the game actually to make it easier to to essentially have this concept, which was you know built out almost in a prototype way in Airtable, mm-hmm. baked into the game. So there's design tools that I can use in the game to easily do this sort of thing. So I can Very show nice. you actually translates then uh, into the game. This is the uh, like the main sort of menu of the game actually. So it's designed to feel like a little space station point and click adventure sort of thing. So uh, if we go into the campaign, I take the spaceship out to space here, and uh, this is actually how all of this ends up rendering out. Right. So you you're the player in this little ship and you can travel between the different level orbs, which are the different levels that you actually saw in that air table base. Uh, and if I inspect here, you can see how just how big this is. These are where those unlocks are coming from. Cool. Uh, you can see this is essentially how that planned content ends up being broken out uh, in the scope of this. And you can see why I need this, because this gets uh, gigantic, you know? there's
0: Right, it's <laughs> there's, quite large. <laughs>
1: so much information here. And again, like, yeah, you can kind of slap it together, but the reality is that, even just a cursory amount of planning can make it so that the experience for the player at the end of the day is way, way better. Right? It can be way right. more exciting, and you can have better ideas of how to pace content and stuff like that. So yeah, that's how. That's essentially how all this has translated into the game itself.
0: I love it. Very cool. Oh my gosh! I just want to like stare at the the nebula for like five <laughs> minutes. Um, good.
1: That's, I'm glad. That's good.
0: So then are you really kind of the only person in your team that works in Airtable or will your brothers also kind of look, you know, is, is this like your realm or how do you guys kind of collaborate? Uh, if oh you do yeah.
1: That? So all of us do, do Airtable stuff. So again, because it's just such a broadly applicable tool um, it's the sort of thing that makes it very easy to put everything from, uh, we used to use it actually for, for asset management.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For example, I would be making art and then my brother Seth would have to implement in the game, right? It has to get in there somehow. Uh, when we were tracking in the early stages, we used to track actually through Airtable, which assets were sort of pending, which ones were ready to go. And uh, we've, we've used it for a bunch of different purposes. And oftentimes what it allows us to do is in a really interesting way, kind of build up the mental structures needed to figure out how to do something really effectively. Whether that remains in Airtable or in this, in the case of the art implementation, we're like, oh, we should actually be using something like Trello to track all of our work. <laughs> so, right.
0: Yeah. You're like, this is a little bit too much.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, but
1: it's a nice sort of, a, it's such a good tool because it allows for that sort of mental flexibility and exploring a space in a really productive way. And we've used it for just all sorts of stuff in-house.
0: Right. Yeah. And I like your point earlier about how it, it kind of, if you spend just a little bit of time to organize it, it's really easy to come back to like thinking I have a ton of bases for like projects I got really excited about for like one night, you know, Uh and then I, I'm like, okay, that's enough. Um, but it is when you're ready to kind of come back to that, everything's just kind of laid out nicely for you. And, um, you can kind of set up your, your future self to kind of dig back into it really easily. Um, so I guess, tell us um, a little bit more than about, I'm just curious about kind of the, the whole, um, you know, you showed us that air table with the levels, but in terms of the you know, you guys are kind of talking about how you have this kind of general model that you're using to build games. Tell Mm -hmm. us just a little bit more about like how that process works for the three of you, especially having three co-founders. I imagine there can be like a lot of voices in the room sometimes. absolutely. Yeah,
1: and we've actually, we've grown up to uh, five people total now too. So nice. uh, Yeah, Seth and I are actually the primary sort of leads on all the new game related content.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And what that generally looks like is uh, we, we, so it was actually funny when Adam joined the studio. The oldest brother joined the studio. Um, we th- we were worried because Seth and I somehow always come at everything from opposite ends, and so we were like, "Oh my God, this is going to be bad because now there's going to be two people on one side, right?" No, uh, Adam just has his own third opinion, contrary to everything we're doing too. And so we find that there's there's a lot of richness in having that dialogue, right? So it's very rare actually that we'll have that someone will have an idea and then that it'll just go sort of straight in. Mm-hmm. Uh, or so someone will have an idea and then it'll get sort of refined through a lively discussion uh, over like just 15 minutes or so and then it'll go in and so a lot of the way that the game gets built is on a highly iterative sort of cycle so we don't a lot of game studios do large amounts of pre-production and planning and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and I think it's more and more important as your team gets bigger of course because you got to kind of line up you know the whole navy to get everybody in the same direction right um but in our case, being so small, it's much easier to simply find the core of an idea. So in the case of Levelhead, it was, oh, we want people to be able to build their own levels. That that was basically it. And then just start building from there and then iterating. And we try to do uh, a lot of what we call you know, listening to the game. So you just build a lot for a few days or so and then sit down and play it. And the game will sort of tell you what it wants you to do, essentially, what what the next piece is. Right. And so the, the richness then comes from, arguing with one another uh, and then taking those steps back every so often to say, okay, you know, the game can only talk in the language that it currently has. So what other entirely new things do we need to sort of put in here that could add another whole sort of.
0: Right. Yeah. I like that sort of concept of, like listening to the game. Like in some ways, when you create something, it does kind of tell you what it wants. Um, And then also, what a great kind of combination where you guys, you have the game, right, as sort of a voice. And then all of you guys as well, which tend to have differing opinions. Um, So really excited to check out Levelhead once it launches. and then we do have just, you know, more fun Airtable-y things. Um, oh, yeah. We do have a sort of, I guess, sillier use case mm-hmm. for Airtable. Um, more about not, you know, butterscotch-oriented things. The but personal thing. Entirely. Yes. Human human organization. Um, so, tell us a little bit about your your warehouse Oh,
1: uh, yeah. So, the story is, the problem I had was I went to, uh, I think, Home Depot. And I bought some super glue. And, and then I came downstairs to go into my uh, basement to go garage, to go glue this thing that had broken. And I look over on the shelf, and there's some super glue <laughs> that I hadn't noticed when I had checked. Right? And I thought there has got to be a better way. And then, of course, we had just started using Airtable a ton in the studio. And the joke around the studio is we always whisper the name Airtable when someone that's sort of the tool you should use. So someone just goes Airtable, and you're like, oh, okay, right? You know, that's <laughs> the thing for me. And so. <laughs> Yeah, I was just sort of complaining about this. And I thought, you know, in my head, Airtable, and uh, went along my basement and marked out basically, I had like a sort of a shelving unit down there. And so I marked it out almost like you would in a warehouse. So there's three different rows, and then there's, uh, you know, A through, I think, F or something like that. We'll see it in the warehouse. Uh, And then essentially what I did was I cataloged everything that was in each one of those cubic feet of positions, took pictures of it. And made a little uh, intro thing so you can actually do it on your phone too. And that's nice. How I so I'll share that right now. You can see what this looks like. So it's this is again simple idea, but because of how easy it is to use Airtable, so locations. So these are those sort of locked um, or those lockdown uh, possible locations. So the X's are these two big bins. I have the Y's are these other big bins, uh, and then you can see just all this stuff. And I I just I was tired of not knowing what stuff I had in my own. Right. <laughs> Um, and these are, they're all useful things, but they're things that you use like once or twice a year sometimes, right? Where it's like, oh, I don't need this. I'm not constantly hanging things up, you know? And so you can forget about those different pieces. And so I just went through and did all this and then even applied it to the upstairs uh, because I have a bunch of electronics equipment and stuff like that. Um, and so I, you know, Pokemon, I need to know where my Pokemon game is.
0: Yes. If you need it, you really need it.
1: Super important. And so, (laughs) and each one has a picture on it too. So if I don't know what the heck it is, then I can just sort of load it up. Oh, there's this Nintendo DS I have. Excellent. And and checking everything from there. So this is the sort of thing where it just made it a lot easier to, you know, know if I had stuff in my house. And then before I go, usually to the hardware store, I can do sort of a sanity check and just search my face. <laughs> just say, right, oh, yeah. No, probably- I've
0: done that before. Where I'm like, I know we have you know like these hooks or this glue or like Uh sandpaper it's somewhere and then I'll just uh I'm like I have no idea where it is I'll just buy more um and and then like of course just because this is how things work Uh like the next day I'll be getting something else for the project and then I'll find the thing I just bought it's like <laughs> Zoe, like, get it together. Um, so, how do you how do you use? Are you just accessing the Airtable app on your phone then to kind of tour your your warehouse?
1: Yeah, so I just I built a just that uh, I made that that uh, form view thing.
0: Essentially,
1: mm-hmm. it's, it's just for adding it in. But yeah, you can you can look at the table uh, then through your phone, but mainly it's for recording. And I did all my cell phone right, so had the app there, and then made that little form, and then uh, you know, enlisted the help of my wife. And I was like, we have to go, we have to go document the warehouse. And she was like, why are you like this? And I
0: was
1: like, (laughs) um, and so, yeah, we just kind of went down there and took care of everything.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely need to, um, do something like that for myself. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I love learning about people's personal projects for Airtable Mm -hmm. because almost every single one I'm like, I should be using it for this. I should be using it for that. And I do use it for, um, some personal things, but it's just, there's so many other things that, that you can track. Um Yeah. And I, lo- you know, especially with the whole, like, you know, Marie Kondo, like uh-huh. tidying up KonMari thing. It's like, you know, the whole idea, keep only what sparks joy and uh-huh. you'll, you'll know where everything is in its place. Um But also like, I feel like Marie Kondo, like doesn't deal with like power <laughs> tools or <laughs> things very often, like <laughs> random, is- you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, so I'm just organizing things in Airtable, and I think it, it is really easy to kind of just take pictures directly on your phone, too, yes. which is really nice. Um, because, like, I hate having to, like, take it on my phone and then get it on the computer and then oh, yeah. upload, and it's so annoying. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think it's it's the, the interesting thing about having a tool that does have so much flexibility to it is that, so I like to think about it like uh, there's ways of of communicating with even with yourself, right? So if you if you build skills in writing or in drawing, then it helps you just sort of figure out stuff, right? You can you can think through your problems, you can do that sort of thing. And so there's tools that we've that we've gotten in the studio that end up being interesting extensions of that. Where if you get good at the tool, it's just like programming, right? If you get good at whatever the programming language is, you start mm-hmm. to ways to use it and seeing opportunities to use it, and that sort of powers up your ability to think and to uh, organize information that sort of thing. And so. Airtable is one of those rare tools, I think, where it's broad enough in its capability, but also deep enough that, yeah, you can start applying sort of the Airtable way, you know, onto your basement, for example.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's so true. And, you know, just kind of Airtable really, I think for people, you know, who aren't familiar with, you know, programming and, and databases and stuff, just... Airtable's visual ability to link things and stuff it really does kind of open up a different part of your brain where you can start thinking about like data and relations in in ways that are actually incredibly intuitive but mm-hmm. but you can't really touch in the physical world right like I can't have this cup be in two places at once physically but maybe when I organize my belongings into locations and categories it would need to be <laughs> right. in both things so yeah it is kind of a great yeah you make a great point about how it it really can like it's a way of life Eric. yeah I mean, it, like you know, it, yeah it can yeah.
1: It, it can really open up i think uh, opportunities exactly because of that because it becomes a weird it's an interesting sort of visual databasing tool mm-hmm.
0: right? yeah um, yeah but, and i I even liked kind of in, in your, um, both of your bases, right. Just using kind of that like single select drop down, or multi-select. It's really easy. Like you said, when you were looking through, you know, Oh, these songs, for example, I have too many. You don't even really need to look at the names. You can just tell by the colors Absolutely. if there's a good mix or not. So it's a really like kind of great, just visual indicator. Um, and yeah, I'm, it's really exciting to kind of see how you guys are using it just in your development. And then also for stupid human stuff, which Uh I also love. Um, And yeah, I think it's, it just, it's Airtable, like you said. (laughs) Um, I'm going to have to start like maybe whispering whispering. that like at the end of every episode or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, so tell us, um, I mean, of course um, you have level head release coming up, but what is kind of next for Butterscotch beyond that? Are you guys, you know, working? I mean, I guess obviously you're sort of in the trenches right now, but kind of looking ahead, um, what's going on in the Butterscotch yeah. world?
1: So Levelhead is going into, it's called early access. And so basically what that means is the game is not done yet. It's in a mm-hmm. highly polished, uh, almost what you call like a beta stage. And... The goal of that is to be able to develop the game alongside the community that comes to play it, right? which we're really excited about. So we'll be doing level head stuff probably for like six to 12 more months, honestly. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot more things to build. We've got a lot more ideas. Uh, there's a backlog that's, you know, bigger than my entire body, but written in text. It's like, that's, <laughs> that's how many ideas we have ready to go in this thing. So we'll be doing that for a bit. But a big part of our sort of future exploration is how do we push, um, you know, our studio forward to enable like multiple projects simultaneously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: or. Uh, how do we scale up the team a little bit more? How do we uh, again sort of get more a little bit more business oriented in terms of how we think about production and things like that? And then beyond that, we're we've been talking about like basically just really lightweight conversations about what sort of project we'd like to do next. So no idea what that's going to be to be honest. But uh, but for now, it's just sort of pushing out all the materials for what we do currently have in our in our suite of you know, entertainment products for everybody. And then our own podcast, which is like a weekly thing where we whispered air Airtable, I think, for seven weeks in a row uh, to our poor listeners. And uh, growing those things because we love that connection with the people who actually play our games, right? Right. Sort of a big part of our core strategy and what we think is kind of special about being an independent uh, studio, as opposed to like one of the huge AAAs or something like that. Mm-hmm. We really like to talk to our, our user base. so
0: very cool um and to go along with that uh tell our listeners where they can go online to check out more of your stuff um and find out uh where where and when levelhead is going to be released yeah
1: so you can go to bscotch.net to see all of our games and see updates about everything and also if you just google butterscotch games or butterscotch shenanigans then you'll find every single thing you could possibly want to find
0: awesome well, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. It was very enjoyable. And now I have a new creepy, whispery <laughs> tagline um, that I can fill awkward silences with. Excellent. So,
1: <laughs> I'm glad to have gifted that over to you.
0: Yeah, and best of luck um, on the release. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on you and your games.
1: Cool. Thank you.